What's up, everybody? It's Chris Cody, and I am hosting this episode of The Mystery Crate all by myself. I believe this is the first project that I've done completely by myself. I've done stuff with my dad, Greg Cody. I've done stuff with Roy Bellamy. I've worked with Billy on projects. I've done stuff with the whole crew. I don't think I have yet to do a completely solo mission on a little project, and I'm really excited to bring it to you. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, why are they letting Chris do something all by his lonesome? And the answer to that is, I interviewed Tom Brady last month. And you know, around these parts, that carries some weight. And rumor has it, a call came up from the very top, and somebody said, hey, Mike Ryan, I really loved Chris's performance in that Tom Brady interview. I think you guys should let him spread his wings a little more. Maybe take the boat out by himself for every once in a while. And so here it is. I'm here alone. And I, they said to me, Chris, you're going to get the ball a little isolation here. What kind of stuff do you want to work out here? And I said, I know exactly what I want to do. I want to talk to the person with the coolest job at ESPN. And guess who they came back with? That's right. Chris Felica, the bear from College Game Day, ESPN's top gambling analyst, as far as I'm concerned. He's got a podcast with Stanford Steve. He is always on the Daily Wager. Not only is everything about his job really cool, he's into horse betting. And you know if you listen to our show that I have been into horse betting lately. So I'm super excited to talk to him about that. We're going to talk about College Game Day. But first, how are we going to make this episode stand out? And you know the answer I came up with, folks? I'm going to talk to not only Chris Felica the bear. I'm going to talk to an actual bear. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring him on. Baloo the bear. Now, I know you're thinking to yourself, is this the Baloo from Jungle Book? It is not. It is just a a random other bear named Baloo. Hey, Baloo, how's it going? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. No, no, I know. I'm pretty good at this hosting thing. (laughs) It's really smooth. Listen, I'm so happy you could be here. Do you know Chris the Bear Felica? Do you bears keep in touch? You do. He is the best. Yeah, we're talking to him in a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I don't think you should take part in the interview. I think I'm just going to handle it. No, I think, I just think that it would freak him out. You know, he, he's used to being the biggest bear in the room, you know? <laughs> you know? I think if you're there, it just, you know, might get a little weird. But, uh, it's great. It was great talking to you. You know? Don't eat me. <laughs> you <know>? Guys, <laughs> I just spoke with a bear. <laughs> this is crazy. What other mystery crate did that? I don't think any of them did. All right. Now, before we get to Chris the Bear Felica, I really have to tell you about ZipRecruiter, guys. During this time of change, we want you to know that ZipRecruiter's focus hasn't changed. They're still doing what they've always done, helping people find work and helping businesses find the right people for their open roles. If you are looking for a job, ZipRecruiter is working with you to find the right job faster. They're dedicated to helping you get hired from caretaking to delivering food and goods to building medical facilities, supplying protective equipment, and so much more. In fact, ZipRecruiter's app will send you up-to-date job openings so you can be one of the first to apply. And if you're actively hiring, ZipRecruiter will invite candidates to apply to your most urgent roles, making it faster and easier to reach the people you need by connecting people who need jobs and companies that need people. ZipRecruiter is working with all of us so we can keep moving forward. Let's work together. ZipRecruiter.com slash work together. 
All right, enough of me yammering. Let's get to Chris Felica, the bear. Uh, I promised my two-year-old I would let her growl once on this episode since I told her where I was telling her, hey, I am talking to the bear. She's like, oh, I love to growl. So here's my two-year-old growling. Oh, I love her so much. All right, let's get to it. Chris Felica, the bear from College Game Day. I'm very excited today to talk to Chris Felica, the bear, as you might know him. You see him on College Game Day daily wager he's got the podcast with stanford steve stanford steve and the bear podcast it's if you're into gambling it's a must listen how are you doing chris thanks for joining us today i'm happy to happy to join you it feels feels good to at, le- at least have a connection here with south florida but no we're we're, we're doing good but a little bored since the draft but um we got some uh, bundesliga coming back here we had some yes. golf this weekend so uh th- th- things are things are looking better hopefully we'll get some uh nhl and nba back soon as well yeah, and as he mentioned there, he has a he he went to the University of Miami. He were you were, where were you born? Were you born down here in Miami? No, I, I was born wherever University of Miami student was born. Not Miami, Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, what 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 what, what better than that? But I was up, uh, I was born down down on Long Island, and I always knew that uh, I wanted to be involved in a big athletic program and uh, be involved in sports, and probably wind up working in sports. Uh, I had visited Syracuse University, and then I did a little more research, realizing that they had about 40 days of sun throughout the year. I'm exaggerating. And then I uh, went down to Miami a little bit after that and, and, and loved it. Got a couple, got some scholarship money, got a little early admission, had a, a job lined up in the SID before I even got down there. So I, I, was, uh, I was pretty set, and everything just fell into line for me. And uh, I, I am today because of where I, because I was in Miami and the opportunities that I got there. So yeah, and I want to talk to him about that. I'm sure he, you know, Dan Lebitard went to the University of Miami, so I'm sure there's stories there. I want to talk to him about sports betting and horse betting. I have become a, a horse betting degenerate Attaboy. during this this uh, pandemic. Now, I feel like I'm okay financially because I haven't been going out to, you know, restaurants and bars a lot. Exactly. So the money I've been saving there, I've been just hemorrhaging into yep. sports betting. Gas money as well. You're not spending that. It's all, it's all a give and take. You save in some place and you, you, you spend it in another. So before we do a deep dive on the ponies, I got a few questions about working for college game day. When First Take was in town in Miami for the Super Bowl, we would show up to our Clevelander studio, and there was a whole spread every morning for First Take. It's something that we don't get for our show, obviously, because it's just a little show. But And I'm curious. I feel like college uh, game I, day. I, 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 you, you mean Dan isn't going over to News Cafe and bringing a whole bunch of stuff down for you? <laughs> exactly. That's no. inexcusable. That's what I'm inexcusable. saying. Inexcusable. That's got to change. So, but So I'm just curious, like because... College Game Day and First Take are two of the Cadillacs shows of ESPN. So I'm, I'm, I have to imagine every Saturday there's a hell of a spread for you guys. And what does that spread look like? What we like to do is find a like a classic local place, mm-hmm. and, and we'll just we'll, we'll just order eggs, egg whites, uh, your typical like breakfast buffet staple: right. bacon, sausage, oh. a couple of pancakes, fruit, yogurt, oh. uh, just 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 some. Uh, some stuff like that, oh. a, a juice. You, you're living that college game day life. You're just like, oh, just this spread, so, eggs, bacon, egg. Like, that, yeah, exactly, that sounds exactly. glorious. You know, you, but you know, a lot of times, like when you get to like November 30th and you're in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and it's snowing and it's about nine degrees outside, and, and you're, you get you get pull up to the to the office and, and you walk in and you see the the sternos going and you see the steam rising and you see the foil on top of the uh, the tin pans. It's like, ah. Oh, Yes, I'm, I'm about to go in there and just absolutely kill some egg whites right now. There's, is there a better job at ESPN than your job on game no, day? No, no. 
That's no. what I was just like. I mean, no. it seems so cool. Like, I, I now you're a producer. I like your what's your title on College Game Day? Uh, research producer. Even even okay. though I don't even know what I am anymore. I'm 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 just the bear. I, I, I'm just a I'm just a sports fan. Uh, I love I love my job. Whether it's cranking numbers, whether it's spitting out ridiculous uh, betting advice, whether it's talking to you, whether it's writing a column. Uh, whatever it is, I do it. I put a smile on my face, and I'm happy. Now, do you have a most memorable behind-the-scenes story of like a celebrity game day picker? Like they're running late, the producers are nervous that they're going to say something. Like just like when I say to you, most memorable guest picker on College Game Day, what do you go to? Katy Perry was the most memorable one because just the skit and all of the the props and the, the, that she had for her for her skit was was great. Her, uh, I don't know if it was her manager or. Uh, someone on her on her business side but it was an old miss grad so they, they kind of coached her up on all the old miss stuff so she was great uh, i think bill murray nearly uh hitting me in the head with a golf ball after putting the uh the flaming spear and uh, throwing course out of the ground that was a uh, a good one uh, i don't know i think maybe brian wilson was someone we might have been a little worried about like yeah. uh, what, what what what's he gonna say here has there ever been worried about someone running late or not going to show up? So it's like, what are we going to do if this person, oh, no, do we have no, a backup? There, there, there was one uh, instance uh, that I remember that we were, we were, it was in Stillwater. Ricky Fowler was going to be the guest picker and there was an ice storm in the area and like planes were delayed, couldn't land for a while. And uh, ultimately I, I, I think we had, I think we might have had Marcus Smart or somebody as uh, as a backup just in case, yeah. and uh, and Ricky did get in and Ricky did do the segment. Poor but Marcus, that, that was a, yeah. That, <laughs> but, but Marcus actually did come on the show that day and okay. had a segment of his own, so he did get his he did he did get a shot on being on the show. But uh, but I, I think that was probably the uh, at least that I can remember off the top of my head of a uh, of a guest picker uh, really really getting down to crunch time and and worrying about are they going to make it or not. The only time I feel like we've interacted on Twitter, and it was very exciting for me, like years back when you followed me on Twitter, <laughs> by the way. Thank you for, the, for that. But you, we interacted on Twitter recently about pineapple on pizza. Oh. You were on my side. I, me and another producer on our show were having a big, big debate about it. You are anti-pineapple on pizza. Thank you for standing up for me with that and just explaining your take on that. I like pineapple like with my breakfast or in a, uh, a fruity drink or something like that. Uh, pineapple does not belong with my pepperoni, sausage, onions, and peppers. And uh, you no, know, no warm, oh, warm pineapple. Thank you, thank Ugh. you. That's what I said. I said that exact thing. I'm like, I don't drink orange juice with my pizza. Just like I'm not like I'm not looking for that fruit during the pizza. Now, also, what is your hottest food take along those lines? What what else dri- drives you bonkers when it comes to food? What else drives me bonkers with food? Oh, I fake eggs. Uh, fake eggs out of the, the carton. Out of the carton. No, no, I, I'm okay with like the egg whites out of the carton. Right. Um, but, but like yeah, the the the, 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 fake, the fake eggs. That I mean, I understand some people might need to do the egg beaters for for health reasons. But like, if I if I see like a fake egg omelet, or even worse, is any place that microwaves their eggs oh. for a breakfast sandwich. Yes. Like, what, what are you doing? That's just ridiculous. That's so true. I agree with you. Um, true or false, famous people sometimes reach out to you for betting advice besides Stu mm-hmm. Are you willing to share with us uh, the level of fame that this has reached? I- I'm assuming you don't want to name names. <laughs> you can if you'd like. It, it, it's, fu- it's funny. I have had uh, some people that uh, re- reach out for some advice. Um, 
And that's all you'll say on it. <laughs> the, 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 the names are interesting. I mean, uh, a couple of definitely an athlete or two, a very successful mm. businessman. Uh, I feel like I'm just who, being tickled who, now. There's no, way I'm gonna, there's no way I'm going to get yeah, it. No, it, 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 it. It's fun. You'll just have to, you'll just have to uh, follow along during college football season. Every now and then he'll uh, – a tweet? He'll tweet at me and, and ask. Usually, he's, usually he's a DM or a text guy, but uh, but every now and then he'll kind of get get a little loose. And, and, and but it, it is funny. I can remember uh, when we did the Vegas Bowl this year with myself and Kirk and a couple of other of our people on the crew and friends, and we were out at dinner. And Kirk had made a relationship out there with a gentleman. I think he was with MGM Mirage. And this gentleman says to Kirk, "When you guys are done with your dinner, come on by." Blank wants to meet you and hang out. He's like, oh yeah, that'd be great. And he's and he goes, and the guy goes to Kirk and make sure you bring the bear. He wants to talk to the bear as well. Uh-huh. So I'm like, and I'm like, all right, I'm good with that. <laughs> so uh, that was that was a fun night going and, and hanging out with uh with with him and some of his, his his friends as well. It was it was one of those like like pinch me type moments. I'm like, wait, I'm like this guy actually cares. What the hell I have to think about a game? I'm like, that's, it's it's that's pretty cool. damn cool. It, it's it's like the it, it's like what I said after I had gotten to Augusta from the Final Four. I'm like, oh, I could go back and like tell like 16 year old me right. that yeah, you know what? In, in 30 years, you're going to be sitting courtside at the Final Four, working with uh, with Dick Vitale and Sean McDonough, and then you know what? After the game, you're going to get on a plane and, and go down to Augusta and cover the Masters and and, and, and be at Augusta National. Like, like you wouldn't believe it because it's like everything that you had hoped for and wanted to do. So it, it, there definitely have been a whole lot of those like scratch my head, raise your eyebrow, uh, wait a minute type of moments. You can admit this. This is something you can say. Nobody mm-hmm. annoys you for winners more than Stu Gatz. Mm-hmm. He, he, he would be on the famous person list, though. I can totally name him. What he did this ball season might have been the most amazing gambling accomplishment Ugh. ever. How it many did he miss incredible. in a row? I'm trying to think. Sixteen? Yeah, fourteen or it was. It was. Was it the Michigan State game that I think he finally got off the? Uh, I think. So. I, I know. I I know. I had Michigan State, and I think I was worried because I think he had Michigan State as well, and I was. I, I was like, you know what? At this point, he's so due to win that he finally he's going to win one. What a crazy streak! Who smells better, Reese Davis or Kirk Herbstreet? Kirk Herbstreet. Oh, wow. And the only reason I say that is because Kirk will usually come over before the show and we'll do a little Instagram thing. So I can get like a, his oh. cologne aroma will naturally just kind of work its way in my facility. Whereas Reese is more, more business. He wants to get to the set, stay locked in, mm-hmm. talk to the crowd, give him a little bit of a pep talk and, and be prepared for the show. And I, I, I don't get to like uh, see if, uh, the Reese's were on like Aqua de Joe or, yeah. or whatever it happens to be that day. Now, it's probably way out of my price range, but if you could ever find out what Kirk Herbstreet wears, I would love that information. Maybe that'll just I'll be find a project. Out. Thank you. I'll, I'll find it. Well, you know what? Maybe, you know what? I'll, I'll do a stealth. Like a lot of times what will happen is uh, if we go to from game day to a primetime game, what we'll wind up doing is we'll go to a hotel. Like we'll fly in. We'll go to the hotel. We'll change, uh, sit down for a little while, watch some games. So, uh, what, what I'll wind up doing, I'll sneak into the um, yes. sneak into the bathroom and, uh, and and see what he's got in his uh, his attaché bag for so you. So, you always go with him in the PJ yeah. to to like you're mm-hmm. his producer, kind of yeah. right? So you're yeah. like yeah. you're in the booth with them. You're in the booth with Fowler. I'm, I'm in. I'm actually in the game truck. 
I, I sit in the game truck and, and, and uh, I'm on headset with uh, with both Chris and Kirk and then our graphics people and the producer in the truck. Do you have any uh, famous blunders of you feet? Because I have this mistake. I'm a producer. I'm in Stugatz and Dan's ear throughout the show. I have, over the course of my career, said something in their ear. They say they go to air with it, and then I quickly realize, oh shit, that was not right. Do you have Do you have uh, any of I these? Don't, I don't remember. I don't remember necessarily saying something that was wrong, but I do remember. Like I, I'm like watching another game that's going on to try and keep them abreast as to like, hey, we're doing whatever it is, and Alabama LSU is on CBS. So I'm like watching that for a second. The the graphics person is asking me a question. I'm putting a note in our Slack chat and I'll be like, get back to our game and make an observation. And I'll be like, wow, they seem to really be struggling on, uh, on first and 10 and, and, and Kirk or Chris will be like, yeah, I just said that like two minutes oh, ago. Oh, that's the and worst. I'll, I'll totally, I'll totally like I forgot. I'm yes. not even aware that they said. Yes, it. I can yeah. relate to that. I've done that before, where you feed them a line that they've already said, and they give you a look like, "What are you? Are you listening?" And it's just like, "I'm sorry, there's a lot back here." Exactly. <laughs> so with horse betting, okay, now do you judge me if I'm up until like the wee hours of the night on the weekends betting Australian ponies with my friend on Zoom? No. Why? Why? Why would I? I would encourage that. That's what I'm saying. It's it's so much fun. Like we are, we're on Zoom. We're sharing screens. We're putting bets on horses that we have no clue about. We don't know any of the jockeys. We don't know any of the tracks. Actually, now after a couple months of doing it, I'm starting to learn some of the jockeys mm-hmm. and tracks there. But at the beginning, just pulling numbers out of my pur- now, someone who's a sports a horse betting expert, as I would consider you, do you like pick your jockeys, pick your tracks, and you only bet these? Or on a, like a Saturday when you want to get after it, you're just betting on any race that's available? Well, I want to offer you a, a you're like the, that's like a two or 300 level course, the Australian. I want to offer you like the 400 level course or like the AP course. And I want you to get up early in the morning now. And I want you to bet the Swedish trotters. Oh. I want you to bet Japan racing. I want you to go to the next level as, as, as opposed to just Australia. Now, I'm not going to lie. There have been times where I've woken up in the morning and I'm just like, what did I end up last night? Let me check what number I'm at. Oh, okay, I'm here. Ooh, oh, it goes off in two minutes. I could get a little bet in here a little early morning. But I have avoided doing that so far. Now, how did you get into horse betting specifically? Growing up on Long Island, it's, an, it's a natural deal. Like my dad's godfather actually used to write for uh, the daily, one of the daily racing forum publications. So I mean, he, my, my dad was into it. We had a, a quarter horse track uh, out in uh, Suffolk County, Suffolk Meadows, uh, that was very, very close to where, where I grew up. My aunt and uncle lived literally 10 minutes from Belmont Park. So it was a situation where we were going to visit a uh, enjoy us and Uncle Bob, and maybe we, my dad and I, would drop my mom off, and Uncle Bob would come on down, and we'd go to Belmont for a, for a, for a couple of races. But uh, it, it's always been a part of uh, my livelihood. I mean, and then obviously, going down to Miami. I mean, uh, we were in the the heyday of when we had Hialeah, mm-hmm. Gulfstream, and Calder. Yeah. So I mean, Hialeah, you take the uh, you take the Metro Rail to the Tri Rail, and you take the Tri Rail to to Hialeah back yep. back in the day, but it, it's always been something I've loved doing, and uh, it's funny because uh, I, I do a regular spot with Gil Alexander on Veasan, and he, he's asked me from time to time. He said, "Okay, you can only bet on one sport uh, the rest of your life. Well, wh- what are you betting on?" And I, everybody automatically assumes it's going to be college football, but I'm like, "Oh, it's horse racing." Oh. I'm like, "I was a horse racing fan before I was a college football fan." So it, it's been kind of fun just to uh, to have a bunch of people uh, like you. 
and others like reach out on Twitter looking for horse racing advice. Uh, how do I bet this race? Who do you like today? And and maybe there will be a little bit of a bump of uh, some new fans just because the people have the opportunity to to watch and wager on some ponies during this time. I will give you this as someone who's new to the horse betting. There is no better feeling than the horse you need coming around that turn on the final stretch when you see your horse like pulling up and you're like, Oh my God, we're gaining. Let's go. Come on. Open him up. Open him up. And then he actually does what you say. And he's mm-hmm. like, I can't think of another, another sport that gives you that feeling. Like obviously hitting bets is fun in other sports, but the feeling of your horse coming on just when you need him to at the end of the race, I have not felt that type of enjoyment in other sports betting. I think at least the way I handicap the races and, and my reaction to that, my emotional attachment, it's almost like a, you're happy you won your bet, but B, I'm happy because I solved the puzzle. I mean, I, I view like the daily racing forum right. it, with all of the information and the intricacies in it is like trying to solve a puzzle. What's the flow of the race? Who's going to be the, uh, the favorite that you want to beat? Who's the price horse you want to be on? Who's the price horse, the trendy horse that you want to avoid? And it, it's just like a feeling of accomplishment that A, you won your bet, B, you figured it out, and C, you, you wind up getting the better of the public as well. So it, it, yeah. you're, you're right. And on the flip side, there are those times where oh, the worst. you'll see your, you'll see your horse coming and, and, and you think you got it. Like, like I did yesterday in the, uh, the, the turf race, the big turf race at Santa Anita where yeah. my, my horse basically didn't get to the hole in time, had a pull up and then uh, was probably the best horse, but had to sell for third. But uh, that, that probably happens a lot more than the other instance where you wind up winning, but uh, it's still, you, you get to be frustrated. You get to, you get to drop some four-letter words and, and, and be angry. And then, you know what? You're like, all right, 15 minutes to go. Let's get on to the next race and move on. Another, the next race is always a, always a couple minutes away. Quick side note. You just made me think of this. Yesterday, I was watching Gulfstream, and it was in a, just the most torrential downpour. Downstream. Like, wh- why are we running in this? Like, I get it. They're <laughs> trying to avoid lightning. You couldn't even see the oh. screen on TVG. I saw the screen and I'm like, I am not even going to bother handicapping and betting this car today. And then I wind up go, just kind of going through the car. Like, I'm like, yeah, I wonder. And I see there are like a couple of $30 horses. Like there were some, mm-hmm. some, I guess, some real price horses yesterday. So now that, that's when I like kick myself in the butt and I'm like, damn, maybe I should have looked uh, at, at Gulfstream today. Maybe there was just some people that handicapped off the morning line thinking races might have been still on the turf because you need to remember right now because nobody's there and you're getting so many people betting on this for the first time, they don't necessarily know what a what a main track-only horse is or maybe that a horse that might have been entered for the turf still has some dirt breeding and could handle the off-track. So all because it, 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 even myself at times, I make mistakes and don't kind of follow through the process and go through with it. And maybe I cost myself some money yesterday, but I do that. Now, I want to talk just general strategy here, and I want to kind of aim towards the casual better because not everybody is going to be doing a deep dive. And if you're talking to someone who's kind of like me, just wants to get into it, wants to have fun with it, wants to win a little bit of money if they can. Now, what's like the one or two things you would say are the most important when in terms of prepping for a race? For the casual sports better, what would you say are some good things to strategize with? I'm I'm a big believer in like recent form. So I, I like I, the, the last couple of races, the previous few races, uh, is the horse's form getting better? Is the horse's form getting worse? Uh, is, is the horse maybe stepping up in class, uh, which could be viewed as a sign of confidence that they, they, they think this horse can handle the move? Or is the horse dropping, which might mean yeah, the horse is really tailing off? Or a lot of times in claiming races, trainers will like to 
to basically play a play play a, a shell a shell game or a dice game and be like, okay, I dare you to, to to claim this horse because it looks like the horse might be tailing off, but really what they're just trying to do is steal a purse, knowing that the the horse can can win the race. And then not that that goes on at all in the, the clean up and up sport of horse racing like this. And no, no one ever ever has any false illusion or false pretense and. In, in, in running horses and, and, and such, but uh, I mean, those are a couple of quick things. I, I like to be able to find maybe not all the time the horse that's going to win, but in my handicapping, I like to eliminate horses. Okay, who can't win? Right. And then and then you throw you throw out the the filler and the junker and whatever, and then you really narrow it down to whether it's the favorites or your price horses or your live horses and, and, and work from there because that, I, I think that's a lot of times how you come up with uh, some, some long shots winners. Maybe you, you throw out the horses that can't win and that allows you maybe to play a horse that may not necessarily look like he has a chance on paper, but then when you take a closer look, he actually does. Now, this, as far as the types of bets that we should be making, now the theory that I have, and I want you to tell me if I'm wrong about this, the way I've always looked at it as the people that make money, sports gambling, they don't do parlays. They're betting a couple bets a week and they're betting a lot of money on a couple winners that they like. When I think about horse betting, is it similar in that where the people that are really making money at this, what is their general strategy? I have become more of a, what you call, what's called a vertical player, meaning down. So basically multi races, uh, pick fours, pick fives. Uh, to, to your point, I know guys that all they will do is look for bad favorites and they'll even pick like three or four horses in a race that are five to one or longer and just flat bet them to win. That way, if you get a five to one shot and you bet four horses, you're, you're coming out ahead, but you're right. The guys that really make a ton of money and do this really professionally, and this is what they do, they will hammer horses to win big win bets uh, big bets in the, du- in the in the daily double, key a horse in an exacta first and second. Uh, that way, if the horse runs well and just happens to get beat, you get it on the back end. So it, you're you're right. It, it, even in sports betting, people like to bet a little to win a lot, mm-hmm, and, yeah. and obviously your odds go down a whole lot when when more things have to happen in order for you to win. Whereas really smart betters, at least sports betters that I know, and, and horse betting bet, uh, handicappers that I know, they're willing to. I'll put 500 to win on the four to five shot here uh, if I think he has to fall down to lose. What do you think about the strategy of, because there's morning lines when every, every day the races come out and there's morning lines and then the lines obviously change. So I tend to like, is this a bad strategy? I look at the horses that their money line, their morning line, their morning line was really good. Like it was three to one, five to two, Mm -hmm. but now for some reason the race is about to go off and they're 10 to one, 11 to one. So I'm saying to myself at one point, this horse had a good chance to win. At least someone thought so. So I tend to go for those. What you go for is what I like to go for. The overlays in the race. Um, Those are horses that get kind of forgotten about in the betting. Those are the horses that you want to be on. You don't want to be on the 10 to one shot that suddenly is five to two. Right. Sometimes they win. Sometimes it's just a bad morning line and, and, and the money is right. Yeah. Uh, but, but more often than not, you don't want to be on the 12 to one morning line horse. Who's like the, Oh, you know what? In this race, I kind of like a price horse in right. this race. The, the six horses, 12 to one on the morning line. And then they're like seven to one or six to one. Those are the horses that like, 
the, the public betters are on. They yes. bet. It's obvious on the form, and those horses typically don't win. So you, you want you want to be on a three to one shot that suddenly is six to one. Ah, that's uh, you're making me feel a little better about my strategy. I, I, no, I, you're, you're 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 on it. You're you're. <laughs> You, you you sound like you've educated yourself and, and and been doing a pretty damn good job with how you played it. Do you have like a worst beat in terms of horse betting story? Like one story that comes to mind of just like the most frustrating? Oh, I do. <laughs> it was, uh, gosh, it was actually, uh, last weekend. No, <laughs> uh, well, no, I'm, yeah, well, I, I had, I've had a couple of those lately, but it was, uh, May 2003 or May 2004. There was, uh, like a, a five day carryover in the, uh, in the pick six at Hollywood park. Oof. And there was probably around 1.2, $1.3 million in the pool at the start of the day. And after the betting, it was probably like $4 million in the pool. And let me jump in real fast for the people that mm-hmm. don't know much about sports betting. I probably should have said it's on the front end. A pick yeah. six is when you have to pick the winner in six straight races. So basically he was saying that a bunch of days in a row, no one was able to do it. So mm-hmm. there was a carryover in this prize pool, yeah. which is getting bigger and bigger. And you have to put your ticket in obviously before the first of the six races. Right. So you got to put the winners in all six races in at one time. So I put in a, it was a, a $96 ticket, which is not a big pick six ticket. Right. By any means at all. I wound up singling a horse in the first leg, wins. I think the horse was like nine to two or five yeah. to one, something like that. I'm like, oh, wow. okay. Yeah. Next race, another nine to two, five to one, winner. All right. Third leg, another winner, like seven to one, eight to one or something, winner. Fourth race, finally, there's a favorite in the race. Who winds up winning and I have that. So I'm four for four. Next leg, the fifth leg, I have the longest shot on the board wins. So I'm five for five. And one of my good friends is Larry Colmas, who um, knew some people out at Hollywood Park. And I had two horses in the last leg. And Larry's been following along with me. And he's like, who do you have? I'm like, oh, I have the two and I have the four. He's like, okay, well, I mean, let me find out what the will pays are. Nothing better than looking at will pays. And so he, he comes, I, I think he calls me back and he's like, well, if the two wings, you take down the whole pool, which is about $3.1 million. <laughs> oh he goes, if the four wins, you win about 1.4. I'm like, all right. Oh my now, God. Now, 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 now I'm, now I'm like, now I'm sitting in the back of the OTB in Bristol and like everybody in there knows what's yeah. going on. Ugh. Please don't tell me that the two got out good. Well, oh, don't worry. I'm not. I'm going to tell you that the two <laughs> hesitated at the start and basically got left at the gate. The horse's name was Aaron Asher. He gets left at the gate and hesitates. So he's like trailing the field and I'm like, and I'm dropping some choice words. But the four is in good position. The four is kind of, kind, kind, kind of stalking. We're running a good race. And as they start getting down the back, the uh, later around the back stretch around the far turn, the two starts gaining some momentum and starts moving. I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. And as that is happening, the four is basically coming up, really battling for the lead. And I'm like, oh, my God, this four might actually take the lead and win this race. And the two continues coming and, and makes this huge middle move before kind of flattening out in the, in the stretch. And the four winds up kind of getting buried in on the inside and winds up getting beat. And I think I want to get in like, Fifty one hundred bucks or whatever for like five out of six on the on the ticket instead of 
oh. multi-million dollars that would have changed my life. Oh my and God, the, ulti- the ultimate kicker, the very next race, Aaron Asher broke clean and oh. won for fun at like 17 to 1. So I had the right horse that day, just oh didn't break. God, man. My, 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 my life should be, uh, should be changed right now. I should be hanging out with you and, and Stugatz and Levitard every day in South Florida, living the, the star-studded life. <laughs> I was crushed. As, as sullen, somber as I can, like, speechless. Literally, literally started crying. I am sorry for laughing, but that is just an insane oh, story, man. Yeah. I have had Will Pays where if, if this horse wins this one, I get 2300 If this one, I get 700 mm-hmm. And I'm, like, schwitzing from that. Yep. So I'm just, like, trying to put myself in, like, that scenario where that's the – is there a way to hedge there? Like, yes. did, you, did you think about putting, like, 200 k on, like, I don't know. Yeah, well – the, the, the hard problem with the hedge having like that, that. <laughs> when, when you're all is, is having right. access to that type of money uh, quickly. I, I, I think what I wound up doing was I think I did put some money, whatever I had uh, on a couple of horses that, right. that to, to win, but it was, it was no consolation. That, 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 that's for sure. Oh man, this was, I could talk to you for hours, man. This is sure. so much fun. Thank you so much, Chris. We're going to bring you back because I, I have more questions of about course. spending. Anytime. Uh, Chris Felica, the bear, college game you, day. You know, you know what? We need to do, we need to do a show from like, uh, Miami Highlight or something. Are they, are they, are they still, are they still going? Uh, my, yeah, yeah, Dania Highlight, Miami Highlight. That's another thing. But that, when I first turned 18, that was like, I was always betting Quinellas at Dania Highlight, one, four, two, seven every time. Well, one, 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 two, five and one, four, six, exact box. <laughs> there you go. Please, please, please don't tell me Michelin is still playing. <laughs> uh no it i honestly have like 70 it might might be like 70 by now i honestly don't i haven't been in years that i don't remember the names i did know the names at one point but i don't anymore chris felica thank you so much for joining us it was great talking to you take care good talking to you again any anytime thank you tell, tell, tell the gang hello thank you so much for listening to this today guys this was so much fun chris riding solo talking to the bear talking to an actual bear i had so much fun make sure to check out all the other podcasts on the levitard and friends network south beach sessions Stupidity, the mina kime show featuring lenny sarah spain that's what she said with sarah spain marty smith america you can't miss you could throw them all on a dartboard whatever one you land on whatever one the dart hits what, what kind of analogy we make it here the dartboard is Lebetard and friends you throw the dart wherever the dart lands on the board if you listen to that podcast you're gonna have a good experience great analogy chris way to end it let's get the hell out of here enjoy your day everyone or your night whenever you're listening see ya